is hard. <laughs> and I wish somebody had told me that ahead of time. You know, not smiled and patted me on the back and told me that, but sat me down, looked me square in the face, and said, you might not survive this. That's Nicole Johnson describing part of her exciting, challenging, and sometimes even crazy life. And we're so pleased to have her here as our guest today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. I love that, John. You might not survive this. I've always had a special place in my heart for moms. My dear mom, even though I only had her nine years, she did so much to keep our family together. I mean, she will forever be my hero. It's a tough job, and so often uh, we get busy. We don't stop and think about what's happening to mom, and today is your day because we're going to talk specifically to you, but dads and husbands don't retreat because this will really inform you about how so many women think, Mm. and sometimes, as we've heard from Emerson Egrich and other guests here at Focus on the Family, Mm. men and women don't understand each other all that well, (laughs) so you stick with us and don't turn us off because Mm. I think you're going to learn a lot today. Uh, We want to recognize, like I said, that hard work and offer you, uh, wives and moms, some encouragement and inspiration this day. And because we know motherhood can be so discouraging at Mm. times, uh, maybe you're feeling a little inadequate today. And this is going to be that (laughs) cup of cold water for Um, you. Hang on. (laughs) Of course, because she's a woman. If she is a woman, she's feeling There's something in the DNA about that. But uh, hang in there. Uh, Focus on the family is here with some help. Yeah. And as I said, Nicole Johnson is our guest Uh, for more than 20 years. She's been an actress, a TV host, and a producer. And for more than a decade now, a full-time writer and dramatist for the Women of Faith conferences. And today she's the founder and part of the speaking team for Seasons Weekend, which is a spiritual retreat for both men and women. She's a wife and mom of two and has a number of books. And the one we're going to really uh, center in on today is called Creating Calm in the Center of Crazy. Nicole, welcome to Focus. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're not an extrovert, are you? Uh, you know, actually, I have a lot of introverted Do you really? qualities, and I've discovered them only later in life. Well, because that's great. As an actress, I thought I'm I'm just extroverted all the time as a person, but I really do refuel by getting still and quiet. Wow, that's a classic introvert. Then oh, that's amazing. <laughs> hey, let's start right there. You obviously believe motherhood can be crazy making uh, for moms. Oh. And, you know, if you've seen them in the store, and oh. perhaps uh, you listening, you are one. And I know you are the woman in the store. Yes, if you are a woman, you're probably in the store right now, you, so, or you're just coming from the store. Right, but, and here's the yeah. big question. Is it crazier today being a mom than yes. it was years ago? And if so, why? Well, you didn't carry around a computer in your pocket, along with a child <laughs> on so your true. hip. and credit cards and all the things that come with these modern day conveniences that really have made our lives much more complicated. You know, women are great at multitasking. We're, we're talented. You know, I always laugh. Men talk about multitasking like it's something new at work where they have to talk on the phone and write something down. You know, it's a challenge. (laughs) We're focused, we're compartmentalized. And that is great. But every woman out there is sort of you know, like Spaghetti Junction. She is caring for the kids and balancing the checkbook and getting to the store, buying birthday presents for, you know, other kids for parties and planning her own kids' birthday parties. And all of that is amazing. I mean, we all should stop more than 
one day a year and take our hats off for these qualities that women have because they hold the families together. It is the glue. I mean, it, it is. really is. Uh, men live on that peripheral so often. Absolutely. They're involved with work and mom's got to pull them in. Come yeah. on, spend time with the kids. My husband How many times will, have I heard that? My husband <laughs> will come home from work and he'll be in his socks. He'll step on a piece and go, oh, and I'm like, I was looking for that. I know exactly where that goes. Give me that. That goes in that box over there. We're the keeper of the pieces and the glue. And Hell yeah. We just hold it all together. But at times, Jim... We need a break. Yeah. We need to be able to press the pause button on our lives. Yeah. Or we sort of translate some of that chaos and frenzy to our families and our kids. You know, there was a season in your life, and you write about it in Creating Calm in the Center of Crazy, uh, where you experienced many wonderful, I think, life-changing events. Uh, you mm-hmm. got married, you started having kids, transitioned from full-time to part-time ministry. And that's when your life started feeling really crazy. So for yeah. the listener who's connected with you right now. Mm. Um, What was shaping up in your life? What was contributing to this crazy thing? Well, one of the things was in this shift from, say, full-time ministry, where I was very confident in my identity and my abilities. Then I'm a first-time mom at 40. And all of a sudden, at my son's preschool, I'm not Nicole Johnson, I'm I'm Elliot's mom. <laughs> and and it's oh. an identity all of a sudden I feel like I'm supposed to prove all over again. Because this is my son now we're talking about. Well, he can't have a mom that doesn't show up for things or bring, you know, homemade goods. But it's not just show up, it's like show up perfectly. Exactly. Wow. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm back in the soup again because I've I've traded one identity that I was secure in for another one that now I've got to learn to trust all over again. You know, like so many people, there seems to be a demarcation point where something happens that's catastrophic. It just changes your life forever. What was that day for you that Mm. was the defining day? Well, I always say it takes a crisis to move us off of center Mm. because of what we've described. You know, we're every day is just full to the brim. It's not like you wake up thinking, what do I want to change today? How do I want to grow? But let me ask you, and I, I appreciate that. And I'm curious if you have found this to be true with the women that you've spoken to. There can be two responses, one who takes a crisis and can bend that into something that they can grow from. But I think there are some, too, that a crisis, and especially a crisis upon a crisis, Mm -hmm. can overwhelm a person Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. feel like they're in such a hole they can't get out. Right, right. Describe both of those. Well, I think there's the right time. When a crisis, a real crisis hits, it does send you into a hole. Nobody's prepared for it and nobody gets out the handbook and goes, okay, on page four, here's what we do when the crisis happens. It does sort of make you collapse. The question is what what you do subsequently, whether you stay in that hole or you realize, hey, this is kind of an opportunity. So I always say don't waste the crisis because information doesn't move us to a better life and technology doesn't move us to a better life. But a crisis can bring something to our attention that will bring us to a better life. And in that general definition, Nicole, and I'm going to hear what your crisis was in a minute here, but again, for that woman that's feeling in that, not just a pothole, but a pit, Mm -hmm. 
What is something she can do to kind of change the way she's approaching it or thinking about it that can help her today, especially in a, in a you know, a Jesus orientation? Mm, what is the mm-hmm. Lord saying to that woman? Well, and what I will get to, what I'd like to get to, is it is in this stillness of oftentimes the whole or in the crisis that we come back to these simple truths and that we're loved by God. Well, let's put a bookmark there. Tell us what your crisis was. What was this wall that you hit? Well, you know, the interesting thing, Jim and John, and I'm going to say this because it, it often, it has drawn some ire from some readers, is I don't go into a lot of explanation about the crisis simply because every woman has her own crisis with her own name. Sure, that's For good. me, it was an email that came of a long-standing 15-year friendship. And basically... It just said, mm, not interested in being friends anymore. And you had no reason. Had to, no reason. You didn't understand Nothing why. had happened. I didn't understand why. She yeah. didn't want to talk to me anymore. Told me not to reach out to her. Wow. I thought, oh my goodness, is do I have a criminal record I didn't know about? Is right. there, did she discover yeah, what I was an axe murderer? I mean, I <laughs> you can cut that if you want yeah, to. No. I'm, I'm really not. No, we're keeping that. But it's so crazy because I could not explain it. But for whatever reason, it pulled the rug out from under my life. And what was that initial feeling, yeah. you know, when that rug came out? What was that emotion? Shock and like, this can't be happening, which is a normal reaction initially to a crisis. The doctor's report or the divorce papers come or whatever, grief? you know, thing. Grief, of course. You get the call that someone has passed or, you know... And you're in a real state of, I can't believe this, sort of denial, a healthy kind of denial. Your brain can't take it in. And that's what happened. I just sobbed and sobbed. And I called my husband. I was traveling and I got the email. I called my husband. He thought my friend had died. I said, no, it's kind of worse (laughs) because she doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And you don't know why. And I don't know why. Wow. And when the brain doesn't understand something, it just keeps turning it over and over. It doesn't really let it go. So I was in that hole for a little bit, and I couldn't get out. And there was no contact. You couldn't no. ask her, could you tell me? Tell what, me why. What did I do? What did I do? What can I do to make this right? Or how can I restore our relationship? Um, didn't happen. Didn't happen. It's still something to this day I can't explain. But what I say is the details of my story don't matter as much as the day for all of us as women that life falls apart. That's the day we kind of remember it as the day that that particular thing happened. Well, and that's what I appreciate about what you share in the book, because these um, thoughts and ideas and prescriptions that you provide can be applied to any situation where you're in a hole emotionally. Exactly. Um, Describe those two gifts that you talk about um, where you receive from the Lord, um, you know, kind of a path forward for yourself Mm. and how to reconcile that painful loss of your Mm -hmm. friendship without being able to talk about it. Right. Well, I call them dark gifts. Dark gifts. Yes. They're not a gift you would really wish on anybody, but that's why I say to women, don't waste it. If you're in a crisis, don't just give up, figure out what it's telling you and where you need to go. And for me, the pain was the pain of rejection. And I had felt that pain before. So I sort of became a detective into my own pain with God's help, sort of metaphorically taking God's hand and saying, you don't, you know, you don't have to be afraid of the dark, Nicole, let's go and look and see what that's about. Where did that pain come from? What is that? It was early. Jim, it was early. My parents um, divorced when I was young, and my mom was a single mom for a number of years with three kids, and she was under 25. And mm. 
and I have incredible empathy for her now. But what I what came to me with, you know, just help and processing in that still place was I could see myself sitting outside my mom's bedroom door, crying, saying, what did I do, mom? Because my mom would get mad and she would go in her room and shut the door and lock it and not come out. And I saw that little five-year-old girl mm. who couldn't get her mom to come out and I didn't know what I had done. And all oh of a goodness. sudden, yeah. that is what I felt when my friend rejected that me. That was the connection that point. That was the connection point. To say, this rejection feels so bad because I've felt this before. They say when it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm. So look into your crisis is the first thing. Don't be afraid. Take God's hand and go right to where the pain is and yeah. try to name it and put some words around it. Mm. And for me then, that sense of rejection gave me a place to go, to work on, to think about. Like, how could I still, that's every woman's like, you know, between nine and 9.30, how am I supposed to work on this? You know, right. <laughs> how am I supposed to feel this, not gloss over it, but yet at the same time, I can't just stay in bed and cry all day. And so part of it is creating that safe space, asking for help. And we are the worst at asking for help. You know, women, the number one killer of women is heart attacks. And it's not because we have more heart attacks than men. It's because ours are fatal. And you know wow. why ours are fatal? Because we ignore all of our symptoms. Mm. Wow. We don't pay attention to them. So by the time we have the heart attack... We can't, we're, you know, I laugh. I always say, you know, I can't feel my arm, but I still have to make sandwiches today, you know? <laughs> right. I know that is so much I have a, to a keep mom. going. Yeah. yeah. Because we think because we're holding our world together and we do it so well, there's this myth that we cannot stop. And when the crisis happens, the gift it's giving you is to yeah. show you, you can stop mm -hmm. and you must stop. Mm. Nicole, as you talk about that second dark opportunity, um, maybe Romans 8.28 is a good mm. bookmark here for mm -hmm. believers in Christ, mm -hmm. who, where it says, you know, all things work for good to those who love the Lord and are right. called by his name. But when you're in that hole, it does not feel like that. Yeah. And, well, you, and you're saying, Lord, seriously, this right, is going to work good. for something good? Right. And you right. don't believe it. Right. But man, it often, if not always, works out yeah. in some way. What was number two? Well, number one was to realize that often a crisis is a gift. And number two is that even though, again, it's a dark gift, that the world does not fall apart if you stop. That's a great insight. Mm -hmm. Why do you think so many moms feel the weight of the world? Because they carry the weight of the world. Huh. And the hard thing is... You know, we know, as I said, we know where all the pieces of the games are. We know when the socks are lost. We know what everything is. And it's very hard for us often to just let go and trust that even though our husbands have no idea where the socks are, yeah. that it's going to be okay. Yeah. That <laughs> if they make dinner and it's less than perfect and they have to order pizza, that's okay too. And so now you're cutting a little too close I to know. home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no more analogies here. Okay. <laughs> then the world, our world specifically, is going to still, our inner world is as important to us as women as our outer world. Yeah. And that is what a crisis can teach you. And and one of the scriptures I like to say is, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. And then I add, or stay busy and keep wondering. Wow. 
or stay busy and keep thinking you are God. And so part of that dark gift in the crisis is that when you have to stop, you realize, oh my gosh, I have been trying to control things that are out of my control. I've been trying to control stuff that makes me feel better as opposed to my family. You have a chance to assess where you are. Nicole, I was really fascinated by one of the stories with that last hurricane a while back, Dorian, Mm. and it sat over uh, the Bahamas there. And the story that this reporter captured was how a person was near the eye and they were able to walk kind of into the 150, 60, 80 mile an hour wind and then walk like across the street. And it was calm because it was in the eye. And it just kind of vacillated there. Mm-hmm. What a picture for what you're talking about. Right. If life is that 180 mile an hour wind right. and the calm spot right. is finding that place where you can hear the Lord and know that all this chaos is going on around you. Describe that element that you talk about in the book where you find your calm place, the eye of the hurricane. Right. And that's really right, Jim, in so many ways. We can't control those 180-mile-an-hour winds. The circumstances of our lives are swirling around us on a daily basis. It's not like, you know, every time we can say no to the mother-in-law and father-in-law, you can't come for three and a half weeks, you know. Sometimes you just have to deal with the circumstances. The kids' play falls on the same day as, you know, the scouting you know, expedition. And so there are circumstances all the time that just create this sheer breakneck pace that are the 180 mile an hour winds. So that value of stillness, what what do you prescribe to people? I propose is that this crisis, which I think it almost always takes one, because it's not something we can just conjure up in our head, is when we can't move forward, when we are still, to invite God to meet with us in that space in our lives and in our hearts and create that stillness, that right here in this spot, without my contributing, without my trying to stop the 180-mile-an-hour winds, just laying right here, sad and broken, you meet me, and I'm enough, and you what, love me. What was me. that for you? What Was it a room, a chair, a Well, sofa? what happened for me, which is really, I love to help other women create this is to create a still place inside of yourself, a place that you can picture. Maybe it's a favorite chair or a place you've been on vacation, like a bench where you sat outside and looked That's at good, the water. Good thought. And then you create that place and you can go there in your mind mm-hmm. when the hurricane winds start swirling. Mm-hmm. And you invite God to meet you and sit with you on that bench or to sit next to you in your chair. Yeah. And that is your calm. And too many people think that calm comes from controlling the crazy. And you can't. You can only create calm inside of the crazy because we're only in control of us. Much of the craziness comes from trying to create and and counter the crazy Mm. rather than the effort to create the calm. I appreciate the proactive uh, positioning that you're you're having here, uh, Nicole. My wife has had a series of, it seems every summer she gets sick. Every yeah. every summer she has some physical malady, and she's got to stop. Yeah. And even this morning she had a couple of sleepless nights uh, this past week, and right. she was just sitting in her favorite chair sure. with her right. Bible. And as I left, I thought she's going to take a nap before yeah. the morning is over. Yeah. 
because God has kind of pushed her to do that. And right. she's had to choose to say, it's not no, failure. That's so, right. So how does a woman get through that sense of, mm. I'm failing if I go to the calm? You know, there's a huh. wonderful story um, that I heard years ago, and I've held on to it. And it was um, sort of a young disciple asking his mentor how to get over the guilt that when he gets still, he falls asleep, you know, on God. And that's a big burden, and he feels guilty about that. And the mentor said so wisely, you need to adjust your picture of God. Mm. So if you picture God sitting by the fire of the universe, rocking in a chair, and you're the dog that's asleep at his feet, should you feel guilty as the dog falling asleep? Or should you just take that comfort to go, I'm here and we're together and the world is a safe place in this moment and in this spot. And I think too many of us, Christian women in particular, our identities are wrapped up in what we do and how we perform instead of whose we are and who we know and why our worth and value is secure. Nicole, that is powerful, what you're saying there. And I hope women, moms are listening and can really attach to that. And you've done such a great job in the book describing where you were at and where God has brought you from. Mm. Right at the end here, Nicole, I want to be able to provide that practical application to creating calm for your family, mm-hmm. especially the moms that are feeling in that hole like we talked about. In your book, you mentioned setting boundaries, uh, take a sabbatical, uh, stop working. Mm-hmm. If that's I Take a sabbatical from social media is right, what I say good. specifically yeah. because – you know, it's, that right there is a good thing. It's to It's a joy robber, exactly. I mean, very few women can take a full fledged sabbatical, but you can take a week or two without checking in on Facebook. You may get hives for a little bit, right. but then you'll get over well, that's it. That's a form of silence. Yes, really. It when is you disconnect, exactly, and that's exactly. good. Intentional. The other one I liked was a "no" is a family word. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Explain it. Well. Too often with kids, we become the ones, you know, saying no or trying to protect the boundary. But our kids want time with us and we want family time. So we have to create that as a family. That may mean that they have to say no to some things that they want to do. And we model how to say no for some things that we want to do so that we can be home and be together and sort of protect our time. And when you involve them in that, it makes a big difference. That's a good thing, teaching your child to learn no. Right. That right there is a great parenting tool. Right. And then you have to model it. Yes. I will say (laughs) to the kids, there's something at school tonight, but I'm not going to go to that. Mm -hmm. Not that they're going to or involved in, but that's just for parents. I'm not going to go. Because I went to two things last week, and we're going to be home tonight. And Wednesday night is, you know, a special night for us. So they see me doing that. And then when it comes time to pick sports, it's like, buddy, you're going to have to pick one because we can't go from back to back to sport to sport. That won't give us any time. Yeah, that is so good. Nicole, as believers in Jesus Christ, I think a good place to land today would be for you to pray. Mm. Pray for those moms that you have talked to over the years that you've counseled with that are listening right now, the Let's same do. kind of issues I would that they're to. facing, uh, lift them up now. For those that can hear the sound of my voice, whether you're driving or doing the dishes or even somewhere at work, taking a little break, take a deep breath and remind yourself that you are loved by the God of the universe, mm. that you have never spent one day of your life not loved by God. 
and give yourself permission to be right where you are. Give yourself permission to feel, knowing that the world is not going to fall apart, even though we know it rests squarely on your shoulders right now. Be still and know that God is God. Let go of things that you cannot control and trust that God has got this on your behalf. Be the best mom you can be by being the best child of God that you know how to be. In Jesus' name, give us strength. Amen. Yeah, that is great. Nicole Johnson, wonderful book, Creating Calm in the Center of Crazy. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. It really was great to have you with us, and I know many moms and dads have appreciated your insights. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. As Nicole Johnson was speaking today, I was nodding my head in agreement with so many things she was saying. But I loved when she spoke about taking time to go and be with God and picturing a peaceful place in your mind's eye where you can be quiet with God. And her words were, you meet me and I'm enough and you love me. Isn't that just beautiful? That's the God we serve. I hope you've been encouraged to find the calm today. Nicole's book is called Creating Calm in the Center of Crazy. And in it, she brings rich storytelling together with her desire to find calm and in the process discovers a deeper faith. Nicole's voice is authentic, humorous and practical and at the same time deeply spiritual and real. You'll find this great resource when you shop online at safamily.co.za or when you call us on 031-716-3300. Thanks for being with us for today's Focus on the Family. I'm Alison Schnell inviting you to join us next time when we'll, as always, help you and your family thrive in Christ.